A New Zealand geopolitical analyst says the AUKUS submarine deal could turn into a self-fulfilling prophecy for conflict. In a deal with the US and UK, Australia has agreed to acquire a fleet of nuclear-powered submarines, forecast to cost up to $368 billion Australian dollars through to the mid-2050s. Hours after the AUKUS plans were announced on Tuesday, China's foreign ministry repeated its long-standing position that the deal reflected a typical Cold War mentality that would stimulate an arms race. China also said the deal would sabotage the international nuclear non-proliferation system. Jeffrey Miller, who writes for Victoria University's political commentary website, The Democracy Project, speaks with Caleb Fotheringham. This is a huge deal. It really takes the strategic competition up a notch. There are only six countries at the moment that have nuclear-powered submarines, and they're all big powers, uh, China, India, Russia, the United Kingdom, the US, France, uh, and now you're going to have a seventh Australia, which is not even a G7 member, it only has 25 million people, and it's going to have nuclear-powered submarines. So it doesn't get much bigger than that as a symbol. And I think this is as much about the symbolism as the practical impact of Australia having these nuclear-powered submarines that will allow them to patrol the Pacific by stealth. Remember, that's the whole advantage of nuclear-powered submarines, that you don't need to come up uh, for air very often. It means you can go for a very, very long time underwater and uh, conduct all kinds of operations. So why is Australia doing this? In a word, China. It's all about China, and it's all about Taiwan now in particular. I think there's been a real reassessment of risk post-Ukraine, and we've really seen tensions go up a lot in the last year since Russia invaded Ukraine in the Indo-Pacific. And in a sense, they're not related, but yet they are related because the Russia's invasion of Ukraine was a, a black swan moment, and I think a lot of analysts have changed their view on how likely China is to invade Taiwan. So I think it's in some ways a reaction to that. But of course, you've got to remember that this deal was unveiled originally back in 2021. So it's also bigger than, than just what we've seen in the last year. I guess this is a, a long-term decision based on a long-term assessment of China. So there are some long-term factors at play here. I guess Australia, the UK, the US will see this very much as being about deterrence as much as anything. I think another way of looking at it, though, is that this could also be a self-fulfilling prophecy where we're talking ourselves into a conflict and it only uh, exacerbates the arms race uh, in the Indo-Pacific. You know, countries all around the region are rearming and are spending more on their militaries now, whether it's China, Australia, New Zealand. Uh, reviewing its defence policy at the moment and is likely to be sending more. Japan unveiled a huge increase in their military spending uh, at the end of last year. Um, So everyone is spending more on the military. I worry that this kind of deal, the AUKUS deal, will only make things worse perhaps in the long run. The more we have of this, of these kinds of power projections, And the less dialogue we have, I think the more likely it is that we're ultimately going to bring about this conflict that we're all trying to avoid. So it is a scary time for the world, a scary time for the Indo-Pacific. I think we do need to think about de-escalation even more, and let's not talk ourselves into World War III. And that might seem like a dramatic statement to make, but I think that's perhaps the the assessment that the likes of Australia, the UK, US have sort of come to, this idea that there will be some kind of conflict and we need to prepare for that. Uh, I think, you know, we need to think very carefully about what that means and uh, really redouble our efforts to engage and to 
and to de-escalate. Okay, so obviously a huge deal. So how has China responded and how have other people responded internally in some of these countries like Australia, the UK and the US? Well, China has responded as we would expect. They've condemned the tale outright. They've said Australia is going down a dangerous path and it's an error that it's increasing the arms race. And, you know, you would you would find that uh, all very predictable, really. They've made their, their displeasure clear, and they made it clear back in 2021. So they're doubling down on, on that, and you would very much expect that, given that this arrangement is openly aimed at China. I mean, I don't think uh, Australia and the US, the UK, are making any secret of who this is aimed at. NATO called China, the you know, their biggest strategic challenge last year at their summit. So China knows it's very much the target of, of all of this. When you look at it on the Australia, UK, US side, I think there's generally a lot of positivity towards this agreement. You've seen a lot of talk in the UK, for example, about the number of jobs it will provide, um, the same in Australia as well. And yes, the, the military industrial complex is alive and well, and this will provide a lot of jobs. You know, war making does do that. But there is some dissent as well. You've seen Paul Keating, the former Australian Prime Minister, come out swinging really against this. He's called it the worst deal in history. I think perhaps we will see some more nuanced views in the months and years to come. Remember, this is a deal uh, spanning decades, and uh, we're just at the, the very beginning of uh, the announcement of this deal, and we're all digesting what it all means for us. Okay, what about Pacific countries? Should Pacific countries be concerned by this deal? I think they should. I mean, I think anyone should be concerned about this deal because, you know, it's what it signals, this idea of a great conflict between the superpowers. They think we all do better when the world's at peace, uh, whatever country you're in. And this deal kind of suggests that war is more likely in the future. It could be decades away. It could be only a handful of years away. So... I think it's not good news. I think it means a lot of money is going to be going into military spending. I mean, that's obvious. This deal is going to cost a lot of money. So Australia is going to be spending uh, more money on defence. That money that's not going into other areas, not going into aid, not going into uh, climate change prevention, all of these other areas that it could be spent on. Um, and it's bringing in nuclear-powered submarines in, into this region where they have not been before. You know, I talked about the countries that already have uh, nuclear-powered submarines. None of them are in the southern hemisphere. Well, there will be one now, uh, Australia. Um, that could make Australia a target to some degree and the scene of, of uh, conflict in, in the future indirectly. You know, clearly, the Pacific is the centre of attention at the moment. And... We've seen that with the Pacific countries going to the summit in Washington last year and the rumours that Joe Biden could be visiting the Pacific later this year, which will be quite extraordinary if it happens, just given how rare it is that the US president comes down to this part of the world. So you know, I think the Pacific is probably going to be involved in some shape or form, whether it likes it or not, with, with orchids. Before you said that no countries in the Southern Hemisphere had any nuclear-powered submarines, does this undermine the South Pacific nuclear-free agreement? That's come up, certainly, the Treaty of Rarotonga and, and what this means. And Australia's given some guarantees on that about not carrying nuclear weapons and 
so forth. There's been concerns about nuclear proliferation expressed. Now, sometimes these are expressed by the Chinese, sometimes they're expressed by other outside experts. I think they should be taken seriously, these concerns. Nuclear technology is dangerous for a reason, and and putting nuclear technology in a submarine, if that submarine is attacked, there is a risk at that point. If there's an accident, there's a risk at that point. So you've now got a nuclear technology floating around the submarines around the coast of Australia. I, I think we should be concerned about that. I think it also does set a bad precedent for other countries. You might say, well, we can trust Australia, and the IAEA has given their blessings to some degree for this arrangement that it's compliant. Um, I think it's perhaps compliant by the letter of the law, perhaps not by the spirit, 